looks bigger than me. Just close our eyes. <laughs> I just feel that the Holy Spirit has a little bit more work He wants to do this morning before we. This church body is so hungry for His presence. I feel it all over this place. There is a hunger that is birthing right now in your bellies. I can feel it coming out of your bellies, and you're hungry for more of His presence. You're hungry for more of His glory, and that. You don't even understand how hungry you are. You're just coming and saying, I want more. Sometimes you don't even have the words for what is coming out of your spirit, man and woman. It's literally just coming out. And you're saying in your quiet times, is there more? And he's saying, yes, there is. And there's this hunger that I feel that is in this body right now. And the Lord likes to show up in profound ways to bless his children when they are hungry. He likes to show up when they are hungry. So let's just close our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus. I see this picture right now with the Father. Jesus is looking at you right now with His fiery eyes. His fiery eyes are looking right at you right now. And He wants to bring more of His presence in your life. The same Jesus that raised Lazarus from the dead, that walked on the water, that healed the sick, that levitated, that fed the 5,000. That same Jesus is inside of you. Greater works will we see. So just receive His presence. Receive His presence right now. Holy Spirit, just come right now and minister to my friends here. Usher in your presence right now in new and profound ways. Release your power, your glory, your anointing in them right now. Allow them to walk in the truth of who they are in the kingdom. They are sons and daughters of the Most High. Holy Spirit is in you for you, but He's on you for others. And I get a sense right now that the Holy Spirit wants to release His presence through you into others. So reach out to your brothers and sisters around you and put your hands in an appropriate place. Shoulders. Back. And I'm going to teach you the most anointed prayer that you can ever pray. More. Come Holy Spirit. And feel the Holy Spirit coming out of you into them. More, more, more. Just pray into that. You go for it. You release the kingdom power out of you into them. Just say, more Holy Spirit, come. 
When you realize it's him, not you, it takes off the pressure of performance. Because he's the one that has to show up. Lord's first miracle was at a wedding. Boom! So we just bless this young couple. Mm. We just bless them, bless them, bless them. Father God, pour out into their hearts, pour out into their ministry, pour out into the children that they're blessing across the pond, Father God. Fill them up, fill them up, fill them up. May you turn their water into wine. The Lord says that you are trendsetters. You are trailblazers. And you're going after the hearts of the disenfranchised, the hurting, the lost, the afflicted, the orphaned. And it's not just orphaned physically, it's orphaned spiritually and emotionally. They're the, the outcasts, the left behind, those that no one cares about, the people that are left in the garbage dumps, but you're saying, no more. Me and my $10 shoes are going to pour in and love on you. And you never know what a $10 pair of shoes can mean to a child that's walked barefoot their entire life. So we say more, Father God, for this couple. More anointing, more power, more provision, more release of your power, Father God. Mm. I just see a mighty lion roaring up as you and your wife begin to minister here and abroad. That you're going to bring forth the Lion of Judah and his power and his majesty. Whoa, we thank you for what you're doing and say yes and amen and want to partner with you. And when you partner with the Holy Spirit... Good things happen. And He loves your heart. And He loves your heart and your purity. And how you recklessly dance in front of Him in the private secret places. And the Lord loves that. When you show up in the secret places with Him, He shows up in the public places with you. Church is fun. Come on, you can hear the clap. Woo! I, I think if more people knew that church could be this fun, we would have to just keep building and building and building. We just put tent after tent after tent. We. Uh, yeah, I am the uh, executive director for Catch the Fire USA, so I partner with churches and ministries, and I travel around the country doing events, conferences, fundraising, reaching the unreached, both here and across the pond, as I like to say. 
But what I'm finding is we're starting to finding the unreached are in churches on Sunday. They don't realize that the kingdom of power that is dwelling within them is there. They want to just stop at this level because for whatever reason, it looks different, it looks uncomfortable, that just can't be the Lord. But you know what? We're reaching the unreached here in America and we're reaching them across the pond as well. So thank you for having us here. We're so excited. Woo! We're a little... We're still a little buzzed up from the conference that we just had, so we came. Uh, I don't even know what we came. We just came, and we just went for it, and we're having fun. And uh, wow, wow, wow. Um, part of uh, what I said is we have these events and conferences, and, and in Raleigh is our home base, where Duncan and Kate Smith from uh, Toronto planted a church five years ago. And so that's our U.S. headquarters, uh, and so we have a lot of events there. We've got a couple coming up. Brian Houston, who led an amazing worship set today. We started about two years ago doing worship for six hours once a month on Friday nights. And it wasn't worship for the congregation. It was to worship him. And what we did is we just entered in and just pressed in. And so on the 21st of uh, this month, February, Brian Houston and another young couple from our church who just released their first CD, Mark and Sarah Tillman, are just going to be entering in and going for a burning event uh, on the 21st. And then um, if any of you like prophetic, Mark DuPont, who has been an amazing prophetic gentleman. Gentleman. He's... You ever realize the Holy Spirit's not gentle when he comes sometimes? And when Mark brings that word, boom, you know, he just brings it, so... He's an amazing man of God. He's been walking in the prophetic for over 30 years. We're going to do in a whole weekend with him where he's going to be uh, prophesying on the Friday night burning on March the 14th. And then he's doing a whole Saturday event where it's advanced prophetic. So if you have an interest in learning more about the prophetic, that's in Raleigh, which is about a three-hour drive due two and a half due south from here. Um, and then if you are interested in partnering with us going across the pond, we're going to be in Peru in June, and we're going to be doing a full-on missions trip uh, in Lima, building, healing the sick, raising the dead maybe, we'll see, and uh, just going for it. So if you're interested in going overseas, we're going to do that in June 9th through the 17th, a uh, relatively inexpensive trip. If it's your first short-term missions trip, it's going to be amazing. And then if you really want to get crazy, in October, we're going to go to Turkey for 10 days, and we're going to visit the seven churches of Revelation. And we're going to go through around Turkey, and it's just going to be an amazing time. Duncan and Kate Smith, uh, along with myself and my wife Kathy, are going to be help co-leading that trip, and it's going to be an epic trip in October. So if you're interested in seeing what we're doing overseas, check out CTF Raleigh. That's our link, uh, so to speak, of what's been going on. Um, and then Duncan Smith, I just want to let you know, uh, wrote this book, Consumed by Love. It has come out two weeks ago. It took him 10 years in the spirit to kind of write it. He just lived it. And this book will change your life. It talks about the oneness with Christ. It talks about what it is that you can feel in your heart, that you're one with Christ. This book talks about that. The Ford were written by just an amazing people. Bill Johnson wrote the Ford in this book. And it was just, when you read the Ford, you're undone. And that's just the one-page forward. So this book sold out in the first week. The first 2,000 copies sold out. I'm fortunate I had a few copies left. So I brought them here. If you're interested afterwards, uh, my father-in-law, Lee, will have them in the back. 
uh, if you were interested in them. If not, the second print run will come out, and we'll probably have that second run in a couple of weeks when we get those back in, but I did bring a few copies. Oh, they're uh, 15, $16 with tax. Wow. How are you all doing this morning? <laughs> Do you ever realize that God just does some things that are really hard for you to put your head around sometimes? There's just filled with Scripture references that, that it's just so hard to figure out, what were you thinking, God? How, how did you possibly do that? And as I was thinking about what I wanted to share this morning, the most famous verse, probably in Christendom, John 3.16 came to mind. For the Lord so loved this world that He gave His only begotten Son. And we just, we just say that, right? I have four kids. Ten down to ten months. And many of you have probably seen The Passion, Mel Gibson's movie or another version, and you saw the brutality of the crucifixion. And if I was God, I'm not exactly sure that that's the way I would want to sacrifice my son. That I would want to sacrifice him in that way, and if free will is really free will, not knowing the end result. Are people really going to follow after my son, are they really going to step in? Are they really going to believe? And I start thinking about any one of my children. Could I do that? No. And that's just the beginning of his love. And for the longest time I thought about his love, his affections, his power, his anointing, all that stuff flowed when I did things. If I had my quiet time in the morning, the anointing would show up. If I prayed for that one person in the McDonald's parking lot, then the anointing would show up. I thought so many times it's about what I did. But it's not. It's about who He is. I think one of the most profound scriptures that highlights that is Matthew 3 and 4. And this is when Jesus is entering into the ministry. This is 3.13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be now. Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. You know what Jesus had done up until that point? a son. Probably was a carpenter with his dad. His earthly dad. He hadn't done ministry. He hadn't done the stuff. He wasn't famous. He hadn't healed the sick. He hadn't turned the water into wine. He hadn't done anything that we think that a good Christian should have done. He was a son of His heavenly Father. And that's what the Lord said. 
I'm well pleased. It takes a lot of pressure off when you realize there's nothing I can do to make him love me any more. And there's nothing I can do to make him love me any less. And I was praying about what I should share this morning with this fiery congregation. I had so much fun during worship this morning, I didn't want it to stop. This place is a fiery, hungry... You have no idea what 2014 is going to bring through these doors. Because you will go after him with reckless disregard for what people think, he will show up in profound ways. He's so sick and tired of three-piece church, right? Three-piece suit church. No offense, I got the guy in the tie in the back. I'm just saying, stuff he's sitting. As soon as I said that, I saw it, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to offend him. He loves you dressing up, too. Oops. Yeah, you can loosen it up now. It's fine. But he just wants you to be hungry for him. And this church is hungry for him. I can see it all over your faces when we walked in. When you do 10, 15 minutes of fellowship before you do worship, you're bonding with each other. And it's Christ in you. It's the Holy Spirit in you that is just... There's this excitement. And then when you go with worship and you have the kids just going for it, and you have the parents jumping up and down with the kids, so many churches ship their kids out during worship. We don't do that. Apparently you don't do that either. Well, when else would your kids see you worship if they went to Sunday school? If you're Scott, it's every day. Scott was up front, as you're well aware, worshiping and dancing. And if there's any question if Scott does that elsewhere, he does. I was just with him in Virginia. He was having a lot of fun with his kids and the team. Well, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to share, and the Lord just kind of impressed upon me and said, JT, share your love story with Jesus. Share your love story of how he has taken you from a three-piece suit kind of guy to, well, we'll get to where I am at this point somewhere down the road. You see, I'm from northern Michigan, and when I went to uh, nothing against the Yankee States, and I'm sorry if that offends any of my southern friends, but um, I can't choose where I'm born. I can only choose where I live, right? And I live in the south now, so. <laughs> oh, so when I went away to college, I went from northern Michigan to the central part of South Carolina. So I went from basically unchurched. I had gone to a little bit of uh, Christian school when I was younger, but I was a queester, Christmas Easter. You know, we went twice a year. And uh, so I went, I, went, I went down to college, and, and my parents gave me two pieces of advice before I went down to South, and I'd never really been there before. I mean, I just, I said, I'm tired of snow. I want to go down here. And uh, they said, uh, where do you want to go? I said, University of Hawaii. And they said, pick someplace else. So North and South Carolina looked really good, and it was warm, and I never visited there. So anyway, long story short, went to college there. My parents gave me two pieces of advice before I left. They said, um, don't talk about politics and don't talk about religion. I said, okay. My parents had come from being hurt by religion growing up. 
And uh, so I went down there for two years. I just kind of lived life. And uh, I was from a real small town. My dad was a town psychologist. So um, I really couldn't do anything wrong because likely one of the people would know him from a ministry session. And it would be all, you know, ministry session, a counseling session. Um, and so I had to kind of be straight and narrow. But when I was 800 miles away, straight and narrow didn't look the same. And I worked on my testimony for a couple of years. And... Uh, And after a period of time, some friends of mine started pouring into my life, and they, they said, you know what, JT, you should probably, you should probably come and you know, accept the Lord as your, your, your Savior. And I said, well, the Christians that I see that I'm partying with on the weekends, it's kind of like you're trying to sell me a ticket to the uh, Titanic as it's sinking, right? I'm not really interested in your team, your boat, your whatever. And so we went about that for a couple, of year, uh, a couple more months, and then eventually someone said, you know, don't judge Christianity on the Christians, judging on relationship with Christ. And it, it shifted something, because the reality is, no how matter how good your spouse is, your dad is, your mother is, your best friend is, there's a high probability that in their earthly natural self, they'll let you down. But he won't. You may have the perception that he'll let you down or has let you down, but the reality, he's not. And so I started walking in that, and so I gave my life to the Lord and started walking. You know, it was, a, it was just an amazing conversion. I started walking with the Lord. I instantly, you know, gave up the lifestyle that I was at and started going this way. And for about five or six years, we're just absolutely going for the Lord, but in what I want to call kind of a mainstream way, right? It was the quiet time. It was sitting in church, you know, and we would occasionally stand up, okay, from the pew. There was no front standing up. There was none of that kind of stuff. And so I met my wife when I was getting my uh, master's degree, and she was charismatic. That's weird. If you're not a charismatic, and the skeptic in me said, you're just faking it. No one's that happy. And so my wife uh, listens to the Lord and was, was wise and didn't press the issue. And just, the Lord said, trust me with his heart. So we just got married and were relatively unequally yoked in that respect. I was believer, I was saved, but not walking in the fullness of who I could be in Christ. And so we uh, moved to Virginia Beach, Portsmouth area, uh, where we just were. And uh, my father-in-law was a 30-year resident until I convinced him that Raleigh was better and brought him down. No offense against Virginia Beach because it's beautiful, but your traffic is awful. Oh, it's really fun when a car catches on fire in the tunnel that you need to go through. And you just sit there for hours waiting for them to put out the fire. And it's... Okay. And so we, uh, we moved to Virginia Beach and I was still not walking the fullness of, of the Lord. And... Uh, I was building a business at that time and meeting lots and lots of individuals throughout the, the greater Hampton Roads area. And uh, as I was meeting people, we said, we're still looking for a church. And they said, you should try KPC, which I'll later find out was an evangelical Presbyterian church, which operated in the spirit, spoke in tongues, things of that nature, um, and was a great church. But I went the first time, and it wasn't really that big a deal. I mean, it was maybe two people up front speaking in tongues and a little clapping. I mean, it was just, it wasn't that crazy, right? But it was so uncomfortable in my paradigm. I walked out and I said, I am never, ever going back to that church. 
And my wife, who had been desperate for four or five years of wanting to see who I could be in the Lord, prayed and he said, trust me. So the next week, as I was meeting business leaders from the area, I was talking to them and trying to find a church, and they said, you should try KPC. I said, no flipping way am I going to that church. Five different people in one week are telling me to go back to this church. And I said, I am never, ever going back into that church again. And the last gentleman I met said the exact same thing. He said, JT, I felt the exact same thing. I felt it was weird. I felt it was different. But I went back, and I think you should go back too. I think you should trust and go back too. And I'm like, okay. So I went back. Long story short, I ended up just receiving my first wave of the next level. Okay? I got baptized in the Holy Spirit there. As kind of an ironic joke, I became a deacon in that church. So I became then the ambassador for what I used to think was weird and didn't want to be there anymore. And just was going for it. And then uh, finished up um, uh, law school at that time. I had gone to law school and finished up at Regent and got a job. And we moved to New Bern, which is uh, on the coast in uh, um, North Carolina. And I've been in so many states and countries the last few weeks, I forget where things are. But coast of North Carolina, it's where Nicholas Spark lives. That's why I remember that. Um, there's a few women that know his books. The men are like, who's Nicholas Sparks? Uh, and you never get to that point where you were really on fire for the Lord and then all of a sudden something happens and you just kind of start coasting again. And so I got into my career, got into my job. There wasn't really a good church in that home, that area. And we just started to get comfortable. And I just started to kind of get comfortable and comfortable. And you just start doing your thing and you pray, you may read the Bible, but it's not the reality that it used to be. You know, it's not that all-consuming hunger, that desire that you have. You just start to kind of Get that way. And my wife, bless her, amazing woman of God, in the secret places, just started contending. And started contending. And started contending. So I say, if you have got one of those situations that you're unequally yoked with your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, contend in the secret places. So my wife contended, and she contended, and she contended, and we ended up getting a job transfer, and we're in Raleigh, North Carolina. So we were there for about five or six months looking for a church. And I had been going to church, but charismatic lifestyle, the more presence, the renewal, however you want to call it, wasn't a big deal to me because I knew that I had my fire insurance. I was going to heaven. Me and Jesus were cool like that. And if you asked me, I said, yeah, I love the Lord. It's good, right? But there's something more. There's something more than just saying, yeah, I'm going to heaven. Because the reality, if you're saved and you're a believer, you're already in heaven. You're living in heaven right now, so how can you go to some place that you're already at? The reality is when you walk with the presence of Jesus, when you walk with Him, He's in heavenly places, He's within you, so you are seated in heaven. And when you start to reality, realize that that kingdom power is there, it changes your paradigm. It changes how you see things. But it's taken me a while to get to that point. So, at the Virginia Beach Conference six years ago, my brother-in-law visited that conference and found out that Duncan and Kate Smith and Catch the Fire were starting a church in Raleigh. How many of you are familiar with Catch the Fire or Toronto Airport Christian Fellowship, that whole... Okay. I was not. I had no idea that there was renewal, had no idea there was revival, had no idea any of that stuff. My brother-in-law just said, I think you'll like Duncan and Kate. I think you'll like them as preachers. I'm like, oh, really? And I'm... 
I like that. I like to be entertained at church, right? I'm not kind of the Quaker guy that just wants to sit there and read the notes. I want to have some kind of pizzazz, you know. You want the PowerPoint presentation and something else like that and maybe a little video and some rock and music, you know. That, that's, so when they said, I think you'd like him, I'm like, ooh, okay, I'll go. My brother-in-law did not tell me that there's some weird stuff that occasionally happens when you operate in the anointing. So I went to the first said service of Catch the Fire Raleigh. Ooh. If I thought I was uncomfortable four or five years before, it was a whole new level of uncomfortableness. And I'm like, are you kidding me? On the way home, my wife is like, yeah! I've been waiting for this! I'm like, no! I'm not waiting for this! We're both yelling in the car for totally different reasons. But there was something in my heart, there was something in my spirit that even though I was freaking out, that said, you know what, Mm, I want a little bit more of that. And the other thing that was going on, because of where I was spiritually, because of where I was not walking in the fullness of who I could be, my wife and I were on the brink of divorce. Because I wasn't living for the Lord and I was living for the world. And I didn't have my priorities right. And I didn't love her as Christ loved the church. And we fought a decent amount. And I was ugly to her. I still loved her. But we get to that point after eight years of marriage or whatever. And you're just kind of there. You know? You're kind of doing your thing, she's kind of doing her thing. And so that's the state I was. We're not offended by that. Boom! Come on, bring it on. I'll be honest with you, there's not someone laughing on the floor. I just don't feel it's church. So It used to make people nervous because we'd have to walk over people. But you get very good at preaching while walking over people. So bring the giggles. More, Lord, more, more, more. I digress, but as a side, we were up in Toronto two weeks ago for the big revival conference for the 20-year anniversary, and uh, Carol Arnott, who's been walking with the Holy Spirit in the revival for 20 years, is absolutely filled with His presence on the stage. I don't know if you watched that session, but she, and if you've ever seen Toronto, the stage is like this high. It's a long fall, okay? And the pulpit is at the end. And Duncan jumps up on stage, and he's generally concerned that she could actually fall off the stage because she was just, she was in the glory cloud and was not really cognizant that there was a four-foot precipice in front of her. So Duncan, after about a minute, realizes that this is, this is not good, and I don't really want to be up here. JT. He brings me up there. So for the first ten minutes... I'm trying to be inconspicuous in front of 3,000 people and countless people on, online, and she's spinning around there, and I'm like, wanted to figure out, you don't want to be the person that let the founding leader of your church fall off the stage. And I'm like this, and John Arnott's in the front row going. Duncan's like, 
And, and you know, after about five or ten false starts, and I'm like, I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown on the stage. I needed some Holy Spirit Xanax or something. <laughs> you don't understand. She's flailing in like one false step, three feet, four feet down. And so after about ten minutes of me going like this, every time I think she's going to go, and John's like, and you're realizing you're on national TV. <laughs> I finally just said, Holy Spirit, if she's going to take a dive, let me know. And then it's your fault if she falls off, not mine. But as that's going on, one of our pastors from our church is down in front and has got the giggles like that times ten. Super, super loud. So I'm trying to focus on not letting Carol fall off the stage while my pastor is laughing and laughing and laughing. So that's why church is fun. You never know what's going to happen. We honor you, Holy Spirit. It's when we try to get in the way of what he wants to do that things get messed up. When we just let him come and show up and do what he wants to do, we have a lot more fun. It takes off the expectations. And people get touched. They get transformed. So, the Holy Spirit's in me. I don't really understand how that's all working, but He's saying, why don't you come back and check out this church a little bit more? So I'm like, Lord, okay, but it's so weird. They're just, they're so weird. Why are they laughing? Why are they twitching? Why are they raising their hands? It's just... I mean, you understand, when I was at the church before, I, I went with my mother-in-law to a, a, a concert at a church, a Paul Wilbur concert, and she was on the front row doing, or not the front row, like ten rows back going. And I looked at her and I'm like, woman, we're in church. What are you doing? That was the extent of manifestations that I could, could handle. And that offended my spirit. So when I went to a Toronto plant, church plant, I was like, it was just so weird. I'll be honest with you, and, but part of me really liked it, right? It was weird, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to step in, so you just kind of put your toe in, and that's kind of cold. Maybe that's a little warm. Maybe I'll try to, you know, move over a little bit and try that. But there was so much love, right? It was weird, but there was love, and you just felt his love coming in there. And so it was about a month and a half after the church started, we went away for an immersion weekend and a counter weekend. They're called different places where it's a Friday night and all day Saturday we go away and you just, the Lord just does an incredible work in you. It's, it's like an RTF light if you're familiar with that. It's like hearing the kingdom values and you just go away. And so I started to really feel his presence for the first time in my life. I started to feel his glory for the first time and I couldn't explain it, but I could feel it. I could sense it. He's sensing it. And, and I could feel it. And so that night, I finally, like a child, surrendered. And I said, Lord, if this is you, I want all of it. I surely don't understand any of it. But if it's you, I want it. And so I journaled that night. I said, Lord, if this is really you, if this, this, this is you, I want it. I want it. I want an explosion with the Holy Spirit. I journal it. I want an explosion with the Holy Spirit, which is kind of a weird phrase when you're not really walking in that kind of reality, but I just journaled it. The next day, at the end, they were ministering, and I got slain in the Spirit. 
on the floor. At this time, I'm a practicing attorney. I'm in front of judges in chambers in very stuffy kind of situations, right? Where you're, your persona is very important. Because when you walk in, you have to have that kind of moxie like, I know what I'm talking about and you don't. My case is awesome. Yours stinks. I'm not paying you a dime. You're going to give me all the money. And you don't really have an air of weakness when you walk with that perceived arrogance as you walk into that place. And so the reality that I would be slain in the spirit on the floor was a new experience for me, needless to say. So I'm on the floor, and the big skeptic in me saying, this is obviously not from the Lord. And yet, I didn't push myself on the floor, so what did? I don't understand. And so I was warring within myself, and yet at the same time was just getting electrocuted by the Holy Spirit, which didn't make any sense to me either. And as I'm lying there on the floor, just having encounter after encounter, wave after wave, the skeptic in me starts to kind of go to the one side. And I just said, Lord, if this is you, bring it on, bring it on, bring it on. And about that time, Duncan Smith came and laid his hands on my chest and said, may you have an explosion with the Holy Spirit. And so the amount of electricity that was flowing before and after just elevated. And I said... Wow. So, I'm not sure I understand it anymore now, but I surrendered and said, Lord, if that's you, I want it. If that's you, I want it. I don't understand why it is that I flop on the floor or why Duncan goes boom or why all that is, but I do know that I like it. When he shows up, I like it when he comes and restores marriages after you've been on the floor. I like it when he comes and brings healing to people that have been otherwise hurt, sick, trapped. But even with that reality, that's why they call it a walk. You're never really there. You're still learning a little bit more. I mean, over the weekend, I've heard the same message from Carlos 16 times, and I'm still like, oh, that's amazing. You get that little revelation. And so I'm walking in this, but there's still that, that fear of man. Like, it's weird. Are they going to think different of me? I'm on the floor. I just don't understand. I have this fear, you know. And about that time, mm, about that time we're doing outreach to the, um, is it all right if we go over a few minutes? Are we good? We've already released you. So if you have to go for your kids, I'm sorry, but we're having too much fun. Whoa. We'll wrap it up in a few minutes. And so we were at this outreach for, these, uh, for the, the impoverished area in our, out, in our town. And we we're down there. And, and there, you're just going to pray for people. And I'm walking in this, this newness. But it's still uncomfortable when you just go up to a random person and start praying for them. I mean, in the church, they kind of expect it. But some random person that doesn't even know you're a believer. And they're like, you're going to do what? It was so uncomfortable. So there was that little bit of fear coming up, right? And so then, the Lord likes to kind of take care of things in your life sometimes, right? He likes to say, oh, I got that. We'll deal with that. So, I'm in Africa three years ago. And I go with myself, Carlos, uh, who's our pastor, a guy that works at Starbucks, and a lawyer. So, it was this random team that's going to Niger, Africa, to reach the unreached. 
Yeah, so as a lawyer, a pastor, a barista, and a doctor. It was a good team. We were amped up. Mm. And so we were excited because we were bringing a doctor that could bring medicine. So we brought two huge suitcases of medicine because over there, you know, an anti-diarrheal pill could save a whole village. You know, a vitamin could save, you know, countless people. And so we were so excited that we could bring a doctor. It was the first time that we were able to bring a doctor to these people. And we're talking unreached people haven't heard the gospel going back all the way back. We're going out hours and hours into the bush where, like, some twigs, that's their house, right? And so we get there, and where the airport is to where we end up having the base is five hours. And um, as is customary with international travel, they lost all our bags, including all the medicine. And we're five hours away. So we drive five hours up. I had a backpack that was like this big that had some clothes in it, and that was the extent of what we had. And you're like, Lord, really? We had all these plans. We raised this money. We brought these medicines. We're going to go for it. And so we have the first session where we're pouring into about 80. At this point, these were Christians or, or quasi-Christians. They were leaders from the, the Western, Safra, Western Africa part that we were pouring into. And um, we wanted to give them medicine. We want to do this stuff. And we didn't have anything to give them. And we're like, Lord, what are we going to do? But we just started praying for them. We just started praying for them, say, kingdom of God, come. Just like this morning, kingdom of God, come. Boom. Your will be done. And all of a sudden, healing broke out in such profound ways. In that night and the next night, a lawyer, a barista, a pastor, and a doctor, in the presence of the Holy Spirit, healed ten blind eyes or partially blind eyes. Countless other ailments, knee, neck, all kinds of pain gone, but the ones that they can't fake... You can say, oh, my belly feels better. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Right? They can fake that. But when all of a sudden they walk in like this and they and know the color of your shirt and their eyes are such a malformation that there's no possible way that they could see, that changed my paradigm. And after the Lord revealed that He is the healer through us, five days later, the medicine showed up. And we were able to take that out into the bush and bring the medicine. But the Lord wanted to reveal in us, in that team, the reality of who He is. The healer. He can meet all your needs. And that broke off something in my life that the fear that I'd had broke off. And I say that to say the next time I went back to that outreach, the Bragg Street, to pray for the people that are downtown, was awesome. It wasn't scary anymore. Because it took the expectation of me out of it. It's all Him. Amen? Can we get a couple members of the worship team to come up and play a little music? If you're still on the floor and you're part of the worship team, stay on the floor. We can get by without you. As I was praying this morning, let's just close our eyes. Let's actually just stand up. Let's stay in that presence and have our eyes closed. I really get a sense that for some of you, there's been some fear 
in your life. It's fear that this is different or I'm different or fear of the unknown. But you know what? The Lord wants to show up and reveal His love. Scripture says that God is love. There is John, 1 John 4.18, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on Judgment Day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is not one yet fully formed in love. The Lord loves you, not for what you've done, but for who you are. It doesn't matter what your spouse has done. It doesn't matter what your mom and dad has done. It doesn't matter what was done to you or by you. The Lord loves you and wants to minister His love to you in a profound way. So if you want a touch of the Father's love unashamedly, just come out here to the front and enter into His presence. We'll get members of the worship of the ministry team to come up here and lay hands on you. Just come up here and allow the Lord to love on you with the love that only He can bring. There is no fear in Him. There is only love.